0: I guess they were always scared that I'd be a psycho. <laughs> I don't know why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left.
1: what's going on everybody welcome to film code my name is phoenix plowden and as always joined by two amazing co-hosts i uh here today we're welcome we're happy to have brandon back brandon how are you sir
0: i'm um, all right phoenix how are you it's good to be on it's good to be up on this early sunday morning recording with you guys got some great movies to review with y'all and welcome to you welcome to the show everybody it's good to have you
1: Absolutely. And also joined by the one and only season one cold breaking champion himself. The fabulous Mr. Nathan Pig.
2: Nathan, how are you, sir? What an introduction, Phoenix. Thank you. My it goodness. Will la- it
1: will last the entire season or until you're defeated. Pretty
2: much. All right. You know what? I, <laughs> I'm here for it, but I'm good. Thanks for asking. I'm ready to talk about two uh, big releases. Can't wait to get into it with you guys. And just so happy we're talking movies. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. However you listen to this, please go ahead and check out our other episodes. We've done, gosh, I want to say something like 50 or 60 episodes combined with all the side segments. Plenty of content out there for you. If there's something that you want us to review that maybe we haven't yet, something bigger, let us know. You know, We're always open to suggestions. We want to uh, have you guys listening to the show. So if there's something that we you want to hear us talk about, you know, let us uh, let us know that you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at Film Code Pod. We are always taking suggestions.
1: All right, sweet. And we are kicking off, uh, like Nathan said, talking about two major releases. Now, we are officially in our second season. We kicked off with some throwback films. We talked back to the future and we talked the graduate last week. Uh, So we're super excited to get out of, you know, the 60s and 80s and come back to the 2021 and talk movies. So we just had two big releases this week. Uh, We finally got the sequel to A Quiet Place, and we also got Disney's newest live-action adaptation of Cruella. So, gentlemen, I'm curious, where do you want to start? Which one should we kick this off with?
0: Alright, 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 hold on. Cruella, Heads, Quiet Place, Part 2, Tails. Uh, Flip a coin. Okay, what do we got? Heads. Alright, Cruella.
1: Sweet! Alright, we're kicking off with Cruella. From the very beginning, I realized I saw the world differently than everyone else. That didn't sit well with some people. But I wasn't for everyone.
0: I guess they were always scared that I'd be a psycho.
1: <laughs> sorry now. But a new day brings new opportunities.
2: Sorry now.
1: And I was ready to make a statement. Same girl. I am woman, hear me roll. Uh. All right. I really want to know what you guys' is thoughts were heading into this film, because, uh, you know, this was a movie that I'm pretty sure no one asked for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, not sure exactly why we needed it. Origin story of Cruella DeVille. Um, but, uh, we see that it stars Emma Stone, Emma Thompson. Uh, we're diving into this, this, uh, fashion world. I just want to know, like, what were your impressions of, I know Nathan, you probably didn't watch the trailers, but like, what was your impression going into this movie? What you thought it would, might be about what you thought it might be, especially with it being a Disney, uh, live action, live action adaptation, Nathan kick us off.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I I didn't watch the trailer because I just don't watch trailers anymore. I think they give too much away of the movie. I prefer just to be completely in the dark when I go in, obviously still knowing what the movie is generally about, knowing who's in it. I know that stuff, but I don't like to watch clips. So um, I also didn't truly grow up with some of these older animated Disney movies, Um, Of course, I had seen 101 Dalmatians, but I didn't watch it on loop. I'm not super nostalgic for it like some people are. I was much more of a Pixar kid growing up. Um, So that's where my nostalgia lies. So going into this, I really didn't know too much about Cruella other than her character from 101 Dalmatians. And if it wasn't a huge release um, and we you know, didn't have a podcast talking about movies. And if it wasn't Emma stone, who is my favorite actress, I wouldn't have gone to see this. Probably if it was some, some actress we maybe haven't heard of before, someone just trying to get their start. And it, there were three or four bigger releases coming out that week. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have seen this to be honest with you, but and that's no shame to Disney at all. That's no shame to the movie at all. It's just where my interests lie. But Given how things fell, Emma Stone is my favorite actress. She, I'm going to see what she's in. That's just an interest of mine. Um, And then given this is one of the biggest releases of 2021 so far, yeah, we had to see it. So uh, me and my entire family went out to the movies, which is great because I literally cannot remember the last time everyone in my family went. You know, normally it's it's, uh, pick and choose who goes and, you know, different pairings, but um, it was great. It was great.
1: Brandon, what
0: about you? Uh, me personally, um, I, I'm kind of with Nathan on this one. Uh, I see I didn't watch 101 Dalmatians too much as a kid. Um, I was more, if if I watched any Disney animated movies, it was either the 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 main Disney princess movies, or Pixar or Tarzan, just in that er- realm of area. Uh, 101 Dalmatians, I think, is my least watched Disney animated movie. So like going to this film, like eh, yeah, yeah. Corilla Deville backstory. She has a good theme song and everything, but like when I saw the trailer, I, I kind of assumed it was like a Joker backstory kind of way because it's that's what it exactly that's exactly what it seemed like. And I'll talk. I'll bring up a, a point later on in the review, but like overall, I I went in not expecting too much. I walked out with a pretty good viewing. Honestly, I had fun with the film. So took my cousin to go see it because they were in town for my brother's graduation. So it was, it was overall a good film.
1: All right. Yeah. I will say that 101 Dalmatians is my least uh, favorite of the original like Renaissance period. uh, Disney movies. Um, I just didn't care for it. Like uh, the, the story itself kind of was just like weird to me and, I didn't I didn't really get it. And me personally, you know, me, I'm being a, a big musical fan. Um, you know, it only had the one song, you know, the, the Cruella de Vil theme song. So I was like, well, there's no music in this, so it can't be one of my favorites. You know what I'm saying? Um, but so for me, walking into it, I was like, I don't really care for 101 Dalmatians uh, as much as I you know i i think Emma Stone's a great actress but she's not one of my favorites i'm like i'm not exactly sure uh what's drawing me to this other than the fact that it's a disney live action adaptation and the last one that they did well not the last one but uh the the one that i loved the most was Aladdin and i was like let's let's hope that it's somewhere on that level cuz i mean in between Aladdin and this they had i believe uh. Maleficent, the Maleficent sequel, mm. uh, the Lion King remake and Mulan, which were all terrible. So I'm like, I really hope that this is good. I was like, you know, Disney's not batting a thousand when it comes to these live action remakes. So I'm like just a little iffy on it. But uh, much like Brandon uh walked in with low expectations, walked out very, very satisfied with this film. Exactly. So Nathan, so, we're going to break the seal. Yeah, no, not yet. I want to know what your first impression is of Cruella What it was, when you finally left the theater.
2: Um, okay. When I finally left the theater, there's, there's a lot to, to talk about. And I'm sure of course we'll get into it. So I hate to start with the negative, but it, it is kind of a wet blanket to me. Um, how long this movie is. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and look, a lot of my favorite movies are long. I you know, this runtime is just over two hours. That's generally not a long movie, but for what this story tells and for what Cruella is, it's a very long movie and it's kind of a wet blanket. Like with the 30 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, and it wrapped up very nicely. So I, I have no problem with that and we'll get into that. But with 20, 30 minutes ago, I was like, man, okay, this story's exhausting. It just, it's just exhausting. This is there's kind of a lot. There's no reason it needs to be that long. Um, so while I left the theater, that was kind of my overwhelming thought was this was so long. And we're going to talk about another movie later in this show, a quiet place too, which is around, isn't it around 90 minutes? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah so it's around like 90, 90 minutes, a hundred minutes.
2: And and just makes the absolute most out of its runtime, but sticking to Cruella, Man, my first thought was it was way too long. And then other than that, um, I just thought it was a really compelling story, though. Too long, absolutely. But what they did and what they were able to do, it was fun. It was just fun. And and I I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's definitely, I think, a criticism that I've seen pop up a few times is, you know, with Cruella being a villain origin story, it seems like a weird thing for it to be two hours and I think 14 minutes, something like that. I was like, uh, it's an interesting criticism because I'm like, well, yeah, you know, if you're walking into it thinking obviously like, you know, Hey, Cruella, she's, she's a villain. You know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll figure out, you know, what her backstory is. It just seems like that that's a 94 minute movie. But it's
2: it's just so strange too, because, um, It was never like paced poorly. I don't think there was never sections that were super dry. It was just too much. There was (laughs) just too much. That's I think that's
1: all. Yeah, I think that was just the impression was like for what this story is, like two hours, really? Like, uh, but I think for me, when you when you look at it from the fact that it's more so a character study, which I think was something that they were definitely going for, um, then it kind of makes sense. And like you said, the, it's not paced badly. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's choppy or it drags. It's It actually really has a decent pace to it. It's just like uh, probably that overwhelming thought of why is this two hours is there in your head. But uh, overall, I thought, it, I thought it was paced and edited fairly, fairly pretty good, yeah brandy
0: yeah like honestly like i think the runtime was fine for what it was um i think part of that was like and i feel like really going home to help finish setting up my brother's graduation party so i wanted the longest runtime as possible but at the same time like i think it fit in the in the in the runtime it should have been honestly I, i mean if you if you if you know disney movies lately they they're not like Warner brothers who try and limit their runtime to get more butts and seats. They actually give a good runtime film because they know, Hey, it is a Disney movie. People will go out and see it. Let's actually make something good. So I think the runtime was fine in my opinion. Um, and I think it helped the film with a couple scenes that added on to just like, okay, I I can see how, where how and where she becomes the villain stuff so definitely the runtime was good if that makes sense
1: yeah any other impressions coming out once you once you uh finish the film brandon
2: yeah oh um, sorry right. go ahead brandon
0: <laughs> the uh, the end credit scene um made me smile <laughs> a little bit but we'll get into that when we get into spoilers
2: all right Nathan? yeah uh for me it was emma thompson Um, I I think that she Is one of the most underrated Actors in Hollywood I I really do Um, Even it seems within Film communities She's not even talked about that often She's so talented She really is And um, as the villain She really shines She's great in everything She really is Um, And we deserve to talk about She deserves to be talked about more We should be talking about her more Um, She played a great villain. She was phenomenal. And of course, she's not going to get nominated or anything like that. But this is just one of these performances that you look at and you say for what that character demanded. She pulled all of it off perfectly. Yeah,
1: we uh, we had a series going uh, uh, in our first season about uh, perfect casting decisions. And and Nathan pointed out very often that this isn't about who's the best, you know, saying actor or, or, you know, the best of the year or anything like that. Just asking, like, what that role demanded. Did you meet that demand? Emma Thompson 100 percent met that demand in this film. Um, So, like, I will say, like, when I came out of this movie, the first time I saw it, I was super high on it like super, super high. Um, I really, really loved it, loved the music, loved the style of it, loved the story, loved the characters, loved the acting. I was over the moon over it. And because of that, I was like, I need to watch this again. Maybe maybe I'm too hyped on it. That was my that was my thought process. So I went back again and saw it. And I will say it didn't my hype for it didn't really go down. But the things, the negatives that I have for it did go up a bit. But the one thing that definitely went up was my appreciation for Emma Thompson. I like, it really came through that second viewing, just how good and maniacal (laughs) she was in this role. Especially, uh, oh, I was about to break the seal a little early. Uh, (laughs) But there's a particular scene that I want to talk about that that just really kind of shined through. All right, so Brandon, any other uh, final thoughts on your first impressions?
0: Uh, Not really. I'm just ready to break the seal so we can talk about this.
1: All right, so let's do it. Uh, We are officially breaking the seal. We're going to talk spoilers for Cruella. If you have not seen Cruella, we encourage you to uh, see it, come back to this episode, and hear our thoughts on it. Uh, So, Nathan, kick us off. Spoilers, what you you thought of Cruella?
2: Yeah, I, I just thought it was a really fun, engaging story. Um, it would had my interest for almost the entire time for taking a character like Cruella and not really knowing all that much about her, trying to formulate a compelling backstory for her. They did that very well. Um, and I do think the twist does work. The twist, I'm sure we'll talk about significantly with her mother um i i really did think that worked so um of course it's not one of my biggest twists of all time or anything right. like that but it did to me it did feel like it was earned it did feel earned so um i th- i know a lot of disney movies specifically try to pull stuff like that and you're like what the heck where did that <laughs> come from but this one felt right it felt earned and i really enjoyed it i think it elevated the story as well
1: yeah um, I wanna talk about particularly uh how this movie opens like you know what i'm saying we we it, it the twist is so good just because of where this movie starts and and how it works its way through its story um you know we 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 see Cruella as a baby uh you know being taken care of her by her mother and dealing with the fact that you know, she's kind of a, she's kind of a rude little kid and she's dealing with, um, this alternate personality that's angry and vicious and cruel that they nicknamed Cruella, which I think is just hilarious. Um, and it's funny to me because that twist, it works because I'm like the entire time in that beginning, I was like, why doesn't she look like her mother? (laughs) I was just like such a weird thing that, that they don't really look alike. And, um, it it works out in the end because you're like, Oh, Oh, well, okay. Now I get it. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, it was such a, it was such a good story, man. Like her dealing with the bullies at school and, and just, you know, finding buddy, the dog who I have to admit, like, we talked a lot about Emma Stone and Emma Thompson who were fantastic. They lead this movie, but the dogs, buddy and wink hilarious. They're amazing. Whoever they got to do that work. That's incredible work. Also, shout out to uh, Joel Fry and Paul Walter Hauser, who play uh, Jasper and Horace, respectively. So, so good. So, so very good. Uh, Joel Fry's amazing. Paul Walter Hauser had me
2: laughing the entire movie. Great. You mentioned Paul Walter Hauser. I mean, he was he's great in everything as well. Uh, an actor that is on the rise. You know, one of my favorite performances of his is Richard Jewell, where he, gets the screen time where he gets to uh, really take the movie and run with it. I think he knocks that one out of the park, but uh, just a real talent. And, and seems like a good guy too. Yeah. Like we know the um, Twitter trend of like this person always understood the assignment. (laughs) I saw him quote the tweet and was like, please keep sending the assignments. And (laughs) he seems like a fun guy. And that definitely, um, shows on screen with, with how his performances go. And of course, this was a fun performance for him to just show his personality. And I feel like his character that he plays was almost more close to who he is as a person than who he needs to adapt to as a character.
1: Now, also, I want to point out that none of us are technically uh, British, but uh, <laughs> I do think they nail the accents. Like, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I know if there's some... People from the UK is like, no, his, his accent was terrible. Ugh, how dare you? But uh, <laughs> but I think they all nail the accents pretty well, especially in the Stone, who is very much American. Uh, <laughs> or is she Canadian? I'm not sure. Um, but I think she nails the accent and she gets that down. Her performance of Cruella, Estella, Cruella. Um, I pointed this out in a review that I wrote for the movie, but... Her distinction between Estella and Cruella is really drastic. Like, it's really drastic because Estella is very mild-mannered, very everyday, whereas Cruella is bombastic and bold and inventive and just out there. And I think the fact that in the movie no one can tell that it's her is really a testament to to Emma Stone's, like, just level of, of skill, Uh, because I was watching it both times I was watching it. I was like, it's so both roles are so distinctly different from each other. I just thought she did an amazing, amazing job with, with, with balancing that character.
2: I will say though, I'm a little, I'm a little sick of the movie trope of character puts a mask on and no one recognizes them. (laughs) I'm a little sick of that. Like I completely agree with you that their personalities were, were totally different. But I am really sick of the, the trope, whether it's this movie, whether it's superhero movies, whether it's whatever characters trying to go around unrecognized, just drawing a, a a mask over their eyes or sunglasses and a hat and, and, and no one recognizes them. We, we got to stop that, Hollywood. Find a better way, please. Please, we got to stop that. Because that, to me, it did not take away from my viewing experience. It didn't. I want to make that clear. It did not take away from my viewing experience. But, I mean... Emma Thompson's character was face to face with Cruella several times, right. and then the next morning would be face to face with Estella. And I was like, "Really? <laughs> you, you, you seem like a smart woman. You, your, your henchmen that work with you seem like there's some smart people there. Some of them are probably meatheads, <laughs> but some of them seem okay. No, no, no. Like again, it did not take away from my experience." I'm sorry I'm not trying to pick holes at the movie and, and just be extremely critical. This is just a movie trope in general. We, we got to stop with that.
1: <laughs> I will say though, they put a little bit of effort into this one, you know what I'm saying? The the wig, the, the, you know what I'm saying? Just the, the nature of the character. So I get it, but you're right. Like hey, she's right in front of you, bro. Like how could you, you know, at least at some point, you notice facial features or something. I don't know.
0: Well, the way I see it is like you have this person who's too sure of themselves the entire time. And I think they just wanted to pass off the trope of like, she's so sure of, her, of herself. She's too dumb to look at what's right in front of her.
1: Mm.
0: And like really actually put thought into it. You know what I mean? Cause like there are other characters who do this. Like there are so many times that you could pick up on like, Oh, Hey, maybe this character can pick up on that Bruce Wayne is bad, but they don't. <laughs> so like i can i can completely understand her wearing the mask and the wig like the face mask the the the, the eye mask that's what mm-hmm. it is and the wig like the black and white well not without the wig because that's her real hair and like she she's unrecognizable because you see her in like this right on like these regular casual 70s clothes with a red hair head wig on of course you wouldn't be able to recognize her
1: yeah. Yeah, I think I think they they really draw a good distinction between not just not just in the costuming but in the in the character that I'm like okay, I like even though I feel like we have an advantage obviously we know that it's the it's the same person but I think in that situation it would be you know what I'm saying maybe 2 3 times you'd be like, "Oh, wait, I get it." But like On first glance, I'd be like, oh, no, no, that's a totally different person. So, like, I think they did. They did nail that aesthetic a bit. Well, speaking of which, I don't think we can escape this review without talking about the costumes in this movie. Um, Ginny Beaven, who did who was the costume designer for this film. I mean, come on, man. Like, like, this is one of the most overwhelming uh, expressions I think of costume design that I've seen probably since like Ma Rainey's where it's like yeah that's that's the obvious choice right there where it's like the costuming in this movie literally stands out. Uh, am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> oh you're
0: definitely 100- right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 100%. She did the uh, costuming for Mad Max Fury Road. I can see this. I, Yep this is right that a lot of these films are like completely right up rally And I think what, what was Mad Max Fury Road Oscar nominated for yeah. best costume? So, yeah, yeah. See, they, they chose a perfect costume designer for this movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about the rating of this film being PG-13 mm-hmm. for being a like Disney origin story for a, you know, perfectly kids movie of a character character that comes from a perfectly kids movie. I mean, I was, I didn't know this until we prepped for the show today that it was PG 13. I, I just didn't know that until now. Um, but I thought it was very mature the entire time. I was like, there's no way this is PG. They're getting away with a ton. <laughs> and then when I saw it's PG 13, I just, I think that's so strange because they're towing that line. Like to me, this is a movie that look, it's, It's good. It's good. we'll we'll go into our ratings later, but like this was a total cash grab. Like, let's not (laughs) let's let's call it how it is. Like no one thought this would be a, a, no one said we need this story. We need this. People are crying out for this movie. No, I mean, they made it for money and it happened to be good, which is great. Good for them. Good for everyone involved. Let's not forget where it originated from for money. Mm -hmm. So, I'm surprised it went with PG-13 for that fact. I mean, when you're just trying to go for money and when it where this character originated from, I thought it would be PG. And then it was a lot more mature than I thought it would be. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, there's probably a ton, a ton of children out there who are 8, 9, 10, 11 in that age range that would want to see this. The parents want to take them to it but they are towing that fine line of, is this going to be a little too mature for my kid? Is this going to be the right movie to take them to? I mean, I, I can't speak on that. I don't know, but I'm sure there are tons of people in that boat. And I'm not saying Cruella is wrong for doing it. I'm not saying they're wrong for not making it as kiddy as possible. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm surprised. I'm very surprised. It's kind of like taking, um, Gosh, what's a good example? It's like the Lightyear movie that's coming out for, mm-hmm. for, uh, like the Toy Story spin off with Chris Evans's Buzz Lightyear. It's like taking that and making it PG 13. It's, it's like this originated from such a children's movie mm-hmm. where youth came to watch it in hordes and you're making this, it's, it's very similar to that in, in my mind. So I just wanted to touch on that.
1: You, you make a very uh, important point. And I think what's, what, uh, that's definitely something that I came out of the first viewing with, uh, the impression of was like, this went far darker <laughs> than I ever expected it to go. Um, not just, you know, like, like, I think tonally, it was just such a dark film for a Disney movie. Way darker than Disney has has gone for any of their their live action remakes, even you know what I'm saying some of their better ones. Um, so yeah, that that definitely came as a shock. But I think I love your point about the younger audience because I was thinking about that as well as I was leaving. Is like you know the 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 1961 uh, animated cartoon is is 100 percent campy. It's cute. It's adorable. It's for kids, right? Uh, the '90s remakes starring Glenn Close are also very campy, very you know what I'm saying for kids. I think if you had grown up in that uh, in that mindset, you know what I'm saying, expecting that kind of story, this would have been quite a shock <laughs> to the to your system. I I feel like this wasn't made this wasn't this wasn't made for kids. I, I, I'll put it like that. This movie itself was not made for kids. You can take kids to it, but it may not give that that uh, the type of, uh, I guess, result that you're, that you're looking for from a kid's movie.
2: Right, and I, I think that's the strange part about it. Like I said, I wanna make myself perfectly clear to, to you guys and to the audience. I don't think Cruella's wrong for doing this. I don't think the movie is wrong for not making it as tailored to youth as possible. I'm not saying they're wrong for that. It's just an odd choice to take a character from a movie that is so encultured with and tailored to younger audiences to take a character from that. There are probably thousands of kids at least that love 101 Dalmatians that want to go see this movie that heard about it, that, see the commercials for it. And, but it it might be a little too mature for them at their age right now, and I just think that's such a bizarre choice. And and again, like I said, it's no one's fault. It's not. I I prefer it the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's just an odd thing. Yeah, like I I agree with that. For
0: okay, let's just say I the only live action remakes that I've seen that actually is like PG thirteen and it's even say you can count it as a remake because it's based off a of ride. And I think jungle cruise is going to the same way is pirates of the Caribbean. All of their films are PG 13 and it deserves a PG 13 rating. However, jungle cruise is coming out. And from what I've seen, it looks like it can be a PG movie, but I know they're going to push that limit to make it PG 13.
2: I mean, it's almost like they're going to, it, it's, it's almost like, right. I, I think that that buzz light, example is the best one I'm going to have all day, but <laughs> but it's like they make a Winnie the Pooh spinoff about Tigger and <laughs> a, like a Tigger origin story. And then they make it PG 13 and they're like, this has some sensitivity in it. And it's like, what? Why? <laughs> it's just, it's a bizarre choice. It's just so strange. And that's, that's the last thing I'll say about it. <laughs> the last thing I'll say about the ratings. That's, that's it. I, I'm done talking about it. Um,
0: I personally enjoyed the whole, um, the whole way that they set up her character, um, her being on the streets without basically, basically an orphan just on the streets with uh, Horace and the other guy. Yeah. completely forgot his name. But like, I really enjoyed that aspect of this film um, because she's left. She's having to live life on her own, just a life of thieving. And then finally um, one of the, one of her friends drops off a little application saying that she was accepted into a job like entry level. They give her like a piss poor job, but she gets drunk one night redecorates. And then they give her the, uh, the Emma Thompson's character gives her, gives her the um, the job, which I really enjoyed. Cause like, that's how she moved up and like, it's, it was interesting to see how the rest of, that film, rest of the film goes from there, because like, I, thought the, I thought the old manager would come back in some way, shape, or form, but I'm glad he didn't. Really glad he didn't.
1: That's another Even thing should. I do, do want to speak uh, to is, you know, it's got to, like, make no mistake, adapting a, a new or original story from an existing IP is incredibly difficult. And then trying to make it relatable, updating it, and then making it funny, I think is also one of the like hardest things you could imagine to do. Uh, this movie I found laugh out loud funny. There are, there are some genuinely laugh out loud funny moments in this movie. Uh, Brandon just reminded me of one where, you know, she's taken out the trash and it breaks on her and like a piece of banana sticks to her face and the manager trying like, to tell her hey, you're like on and then rice. she like pulls it off and eats it. And his face is truly one of the funniest things I've seen in the movie. It's it's so rich. Um, the Baroness has a lot of really funny moments. Uh, after she hires her and she cuts her dress and she nicks her and she's like, why are you speaking? I'm like, wow. Like, like, just such an evil person later in the movie when they, they show her a taser and she tases one of the maids. It's freaking hilarious. Like, she's just like so demonstrably evil, which is something else I want to say. Going into this movie, if you've seen Maleficent, one of the things that people were afraid of coming into Cruella was that they're going to make Cruella sympathetic, you know what I'm saying? They're going to turn her into this sympathetic anti-hero or whatever. And uh, and a lot of people were worried about that because they did it with Maleficent and it kind of, I don't know, like some people believe evil people should be evil no matter what, you know what I'm saying? We don't need to know that they're, you know, were traumatized or anything like that. And I'm with that for certain characters. Here, I think it, tr- it works tremendously, not because they turned her into a sympathetic character, but because they didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, like she will, she eventually does become that lady, the lady who chases uh, these 101 dogs to make a coat. Like, she becomes that character. Like, we don't shy away from that. Um, so, yeah, we know a little bit about her backstory. We know a little bit about what what transpired and what made her her, but it doesn't, she doesn't become the good guy, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a there's an evil person out there, but she's still pretty evil. Like, that's what I love about this.
2: Yeah. And and I think we have to wrap this up by talking about that twist um, with Baroness being her real mother. Um, I I, again, like I said earlier, I think that was earned. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's I wasn't jaw dropped out of my seat or anything like that, but I liked it. I really thought it was a nice inclusion. Um, It worked. It wasn't like a completely undeserved plot twist. And I liked the recreation of the scene of how her adopted mother um, lost her life. I loved the recreation of that. I thought that was so well done.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. Like I remember when I first saw it. I thought that when we get to that moment when there when he reveals to her what the what the key, the, the locket does, I was afraid he was going to be like, oh, I'm your real father. That was that was what I was. That was what I was.
0: expecting. Oh.
1: And so like and that's what the, I think that's what you mean by earn where it's like it's not a twist you expect. Right. It's not a twist that they've highlighted or foreshadowed before. It is, you know what I'm saying? You'll you'll start to notice it uh, the second or third time you you, you view it. But um, yeah, it's 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 really well placed and well hidden throughout the film. Like I noticed when she first goes to the party uh, when she's a kid and he sees her hair and he immediately hides it. And you're thinking, oh, that's because everybody thinks her hair is terrible or whatever. And it's like, no, he was there when she was a baby. He knows who she is. So I was like, that's like it's really it's it's hidden there. It's very carefully done, I think. For, for this story. And um, one of the criticisms I will say that this movie has received, at least that I've seen, that I think is a just one. I will argue that this is a just one. And that is when it comes to the soundtrack. Um, I think the music in this movie is amazing. I mean, this, this lineup is ridiculous. The Clash, Bee Gees, Ike Tina Turner. You know what I'm saying? It's just ridiculous. This is a lineup is outrageously good. My only problem is how it's done in the movie. Like, there's, I think, like a 10 or 15 minute scene where it's back to back, back to back, back to back songs. Where I'm like, I really don't think you needed that. <laughs> like, I don't think every single scene needs this, you know, hit song from the 70s, 60s, 80s to drive this narrative. Like, and it seemed like for at least a good chunk of the movie, the, the music was doing some of the heavy lifting for the story. And I feel like that's, that's a justifiable criticism because it's one of those things that I noticed and it kind of, it kind of grated at me, but um, that, that to me is probably the only criticism that I think this movie is genuinely deserves.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that Phoenix, because um, okay. So I, earlier I mentioned about this, like kind of being like a Joker origin story for Carilla. I drew, there's a connection in this. They played the song smile that plays in Joker as well mm-hmm. by Jimmy Durante. Yeah. But they use a different artist. But when the room, when um the, the Baroness sets fire to um, Cruella base house, basically, mm-hmm. she's like, the house is burning down and they're playing smile. Right. Yeah. I, I thought it, I, I was laughing my butt off in that scene. Cause I thought it was freaking hilarious. Cause I'm like, you, you, you're trying to not be a Joker origin story, but you're like, hey, what if we kind of made this like a Joker origin story?
1: I mean, that,
0: that, that
1: is another criticism. Like, you're 100% about, right about that scene. That is a weird, awkward choice for that scene. However, that is one criticism that I will say, take it, throw it in the trash. Like, the most shallow observation is that this is a Joker version of a Disney Joker or whatever. I hate that criticism. I, I truly hate it. It's such water. a such yeah. a shallow remark. So shallow, so
2: shallow. Like, that's like people who say like the greatest showman is a La La Land ripoff. Like I hate when people say that.
1: Like <laughs> and like and, th- and that's not to say that there aren't comparisons, but. Right. Yeah, like it, that. that's just that's just looking at the surface and saying, yeah, these things are, are exactly the same and they're definitely not. That this is just
2: over. such a like you watch you see a commercial while you're watching, you know, your NCIS and you see the commercial once and you're like, Oh, it looks like Joker. And that's, right. that's just such not even scraping the top of the barrel. Like you are looking at the barrel once and then you just make a decision.
1: <laughs> and those and listen, Joker is a movie I absolutely love, right? Absolutely love in the door and thought it was fantastic. And these are both movies I've seen in theaters. Uh, the aesthetic, is there. I will I will say that yeah the aesthetic is there. But these are two totally different stories. Totally different stories, totally different characters. Is like yeah that that's one of the worst comparisons which is interesting because you could draw comparisons with this film. I think if you've seen The Devil Wears Prada it's right there. You know what I'm saying? Every like not everything in The Devil Wears Prada but like the similarities are 100 percent there. If you've seen Venom, the duality of those characters between Estella and Cruella and even the Baroness, that's there. You know what I'm saying? So you can you can draw distinctions. Uh, I'm not sure if either of you saw The Favourite uh, in 2018. Yeah, I watched yeah. that last week. Yeah. Like you can totally see like the, the relationship when it comes to, to highbrow royalty and those who wish to. Uh, take from that person Emma Stone is also in that movie so that's that's hilarious um so yeah you can see those comparisons and i think those comparisons are 100% valid the joker one i think is just is really just super shallow scraping the surface barely and and that that's just a weak one uh if you if you never seen uh the film
2: but uh, uh, one, what, one last thing i do want to mention is mark strong i guess a paycheck is a paycheck yes. because there's just <laughs> This is this role was so below him. It just,
1: um, I think he fulfilled it though. Like I think he did a great job. I don't think he needed to be a central character. But
2: I mean, I I could have played that character. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. that's just. I mean, it's like I said, he didn't do anything bad. Mm-hmm. But this is Mark Strong. I mean, he did not need to. <laughs> I mean,
0: I personally like Mark, Mark Strong. Is work. Yeah. I I only see him as like from Kingsman, that's like any role he's in anymore. I'm like, it's Callahan. (laughs) Is that, is that his character in Kingsman? Yes. And like, okay, good. Yeah. I'm
1: like, it's Callahan. Yeah. Kingsman. And I, and that's it. I I 100% agree with Nathan. Like, yeah, it's, you know what I'm saying? He showed up, he did his thing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it wasn't a transformative role. He didn't need to, you know what I'm saying? Do anything major. He 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 did his job and 100%, you know what I'm saying? That, that's all you can ask for.
2: Work his is work. By, by Mark
1: Strong. Work is work. All right. So let's wrap this up with our final ratings. I'm very curious to know what you guys think. Brandon, we'll start with you. What is your final rating for Cruella?
0: Uh, let me put up a litter box super fast to see what I officially gave it. Hold on. <laughs> I gave this film... A four star out of five. I honestly, I think it deserves it. I really vibed with this film. I only had very few critiques with this movie and we just talked about it, but like I personally enjoyed it. So I'm definitely gonna give this a four out of five. I'm really excited to talk about quiet place part two with you guys here in a few minutes. though. so without further ado, I'm passing it on to Nathan. What'd you think?
2: Yeah, I went with a three and a half out of five. That's a B plus for me. Um, Just a really fun story, a really fun movie, something that really, I wouldn't want to say crushed my expectations, but um, went past my expectations, definitely. Uh, Of course, there's a few criticisms of it, but especially that runtime. This movie should be an hour 40, an hour 45, nothing more. Um, But nonetheless, really impressed with Emma Thompson. It was good to see my girl Emma Stone again. And yeah. I think this is a success for Disney.
1: Uh, when I came out of this, the first time I saw it, I was prepared to give this movie five stars. Like, like legit prepared to give this movie five stars. I was overwhelmed with how much I enjoyed this film, which is why I had to see it again. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm too high on this film. So seeing it again, I am dropping that rating. As much as I enjoyed this film, uh, the, the, the things that, that irritate me will irritate me forever. Like, I, I want to be clear. If I get this movie on DVD, I'll, there will be parts where I'll be like, no, nah, I don't want to say that. Like, so, like, because of that, I can't give it five stars. Um, I also want to point out that there is a difference between a live-action remake and a live-action retelling. And therefore, because of that, Maleficent, I think, is a live action retelling in the same way that Cruella is, because it's not a direct remake of 101 Dalmatians. Therefore, I want to point out that Aladdin is still my favorite live action remake. However, this one is better, and therefore it ends with a 4.2 for me. (laughs) 4.2 for Cruella, which I think is an absolutely amazing film. So that's where I'm at with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would like to mention, like, real quick before I forget. um, I personally, the in-credit scene, um, I really enjoyed it because, like, I I love the Cruella Deville theme song and having someone in that world making the theme song, it's great.
1: Yeah. And that was a really cool tie-in to uh, what we, I assume, We'll get in the next est- installment, which uh, I want to point out the has sequel. been green has been greenlit already. So uh, yeah, we will be seeing a Cruella two or 101 Dalmatians official remake. Who knows? But uh, looking <laughs> forward to that. All right. So that's a four point two for me, a four start from Brandon, a three and a half from Nathan, and so we move on to the other We're going, going big to release. move on to our other review of this episode we are talking about of course the much delayed and much anticipated sequel to a quiet place quiet place part 2 How that'll happen a bomb i think
0: Came all the way up here. There's nothing left.
1: There are people out there. People worth
2: saving.
0: Most people had finally given up hope. <laughs>
1: Once again, written and directed by John Krasinski, starring Emily Blunt, Noah Jupe, and Millicent Simmons, also featuring Killian Murphy, which I just realized is how you pronounce his name. (laughs) Um, And Jaimon Hunsu, who also uh, shows up in this film. I did not see the first A Quiet Place in theaters. And that has been my great shame (laughs) for the past three years. That has been my great shame. That is a movie that absolutely needs to be seen in theaters. No question of that. So when I saw it later on my phone and it's still like generated the, the, the type of tension and anxiety, I was like, Oh man, I got to see the sequel in theaters. Oh man. <laughs> Seeing this movie in theaters is the best experience you could ask for. Um, yeah. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. So Nathan, what were your uh impressions going into a quiet place part two?
2: I did not see the original Quiet Place in theaters as well. I am very new to my affinity with movies, as frequent listeners of this show know. I've only truly been a huge movie fan for a couple of years now, so I've been playing catch up with a lot of these. Um so I I never never saw it. I or I never saw it in theaters. I did see it. I will say I'm going to trigger some people when I say this, I apologize. I do think the first quiet place is overrated. I do. I think Mm -hmm. it's a good movie. I think it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's good. It's got a lot of plot holes. It's got a lot. (laughs) Um, And I'm sorry. It's I love John Krasinski too. I'm a huge fan of the office. I'm a big John Krasinski supporter. So I have no beef anywhere with that. I just think it's not as good as people say it is. And I'm sorry for saying that, but I was still excited for A Quiet Place 2. I really was. Um I don't know what it was. I, I just I wanted to see a continuation of the story despite me thinking the first one was good, good, but not great. And this just blew me away. It really did. This A Quiet Place 2 blew me away. I think how I feel about this one is how everyone felt about the first one. <laughs> I just, oh my God, and we'll get into it. But what a worthy continuation of the story. I love how, and this is not a spoiler, it just picks right up from the ending of the first one. It just bang right there. No time jump, no nothing. Bang right away. And, and you just talk about so many sequels that are not worthy of the original so many sequels that are made simply because the first one was popular. Not, not this time. This really worked. And I loved this on so many levels.
0: I'll have to agree with you. Um, I think it picked up really well. Um, I'd, I'd like to say I didn't see the first one in theaters either. I had a, I had tickets booked for a double feature last year before the film got like indefinitely delayed so I I was really hyped to see the first one in theaters finally. But like overall, I thought the second one was really good. I personally enjoyed the second one more than the first, um, but we'll get into that a little bit later uh, when we dive into spoilers and everything. But overall, this film worked. The zero, basically this, the basic zero time jump helped a lot. Um, there were a lot of moments where the characters in this were really like this close to dying and like, they're they're thinking on their feet. It's great. So I, I, I'm ready to break the seal. If you guys are,
1: well, I do want to say this, that I will be the contrarian for this particular film. Um, I enjoyed a quiet place part two. I want to make, make that very, very clear. I think it's a fantastic movie. I still think the first one was better. Uh, and only because there's no scene in the second movie quite as intense and, 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 and terrifying as that bathtub birth scene in the first movie. There's, there's no scene in the second movie that I think matches that level of intensity that that first film had. So because of that, and not just because of that, there are other factors as well, but because of that, I still put the first one above this one, uh, but I did enjoy this. I enjoyed this a great, great deal. And seeing it in theaters definitely helps. So uh, let's go ahead and break the seal. Let's talk spoilers. We're doing and it. I think uh, it's
2: fair, fair to assume we're talking spoilers for both Quiet Place movies. Both
1: A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place Part yes. 2. So if you have not seen either film, uh, now's the time for you to walk away and watch both films back to back if you can. And then come back and discuss it with us. Like we said, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at FilmCodePod. We'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on both Cruella, A Quiet Place, and A Quiet Place Part 2. We're going all the way in. All right. So, breaking spoilers, Nathan, kick us off with what you thought of A Quiet Place Part 2.
2: Well, let's start with this. Brandon mentioned it earlier. This is absolutely a movie you have to see in theaters. Mm -hmm. You know? There are, we, we live in such a world where sh- with streaming and, and VOD and you don't have to leave your house to really see anything unless you really, I mean, you can find pretty much any movie if you're that determined. This is a movie. There are just some of them that you need to see in the theater. This 1917, a star is born. I feel like La La Land and greatest showman are too as well. Um, There are some that you just need to see on the big screen. And this is absolutely one of them because the sound design is so incredible. I hope this gets nominated. Um, I think it's a long shot just because they normally don't nominate movies like this, but I hope it does get nominated for sound because it's incredible. Um, And yeah, I mean, it, it was just wonderful. I loved how it was shot. The cinematography alone was terrifying. And the story, um, we'll, we'll get into specifics. I know I'm being super generic right now and super general, but um, like I mentioned earlier, such a worthy continuation. I think Chilean Murphy's character um, introducing him and, and kind of taking over as the male lead was such a, a fit for what it was. His character was so natural. The story that him and the daughter go on was so natural, and it fit didn't feel forced. I really loved it. And uh, that's where I'm going to leave it at for now.
0: Yeah. I, I I like to back up what you're saying. Like, this is definitely a film you need to see in theaters. Um, I really enjoyed the, the opening of this film with, with uh, the whole backstory and everything of like what started everything. Cause like there's that one scene where they're all in the bar and everyone's quiet. <laughs> someone's phone starts ringing and you're like crap. <laughs> and everything goes to crap after that, man. It's like you have people running, you got people getting massacred. It's insane. Cause like that one person just forgets to
2: silence their phone. And right. Like, and, and we, as the audience knows, know why that's a problem, but that's mm-hmm. now an introduction to our characters for what triggers these, monsters.
1: There's a there's a particular moment exactly. in that scene that I love where uh the uh, I guess the store owner or whatever he's uh, he's trying to say uh is uh, our father and uh John Krasinski like puts a hand over his mouth and is like no well you know like it's so well done because they the 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 scene is focused on the guy giving the prayer and he like dips into frame to cover his mouth. It's just so well shot. And like, again, you mentioned the sound design, listen. <sighs> the sound design in this movie is I think on the same level as the costume design in Cruella where I'm like, it's so painfully obvious that this is, a, this is the top five of the year just because of what they do with silence not just, you know what I'm saying? You can mix a bunch of sounds together. Yeah, sure. And that's great. But how they utilize silence in this movie. And and then the sounds that you do hear, like the crunching of leaves under a under feet, you know what I'm saying? Or, or a, 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 you know, even that phone scene, that like all of that is so imperative to telling this story. And You know they don't normally, obviously they don't normally nominate horror movies, but like, you want to talk about something that's fear-inducing? Sound is a key element to that because if, like, if you know that any noise you make could get you killed, that's terrifying. That's utterly terrifying. So, I just want to point out that those two things—the the the sound is immaculate in this movie—can't take away from it. And seeing it in a theater, it, it. is is one of is is such a mind blowing experience because there are people in the theater who are so immersed it's like they don't want to make noise either and like I was in a theater that was packed and we have uh, reclining chairs in our theater and I can't tell you how terrifying it is to be deathly silent in the theater and then someone adjusts their chair like. <laughs> It, it's like it happened twice and both times i jumped out of my seat i was like why yeah. did do that?"
2: <laughs> i couldn't agree with you more people eating popcorn even oh, oh it was distracting <laughs> as hell i mean right. a theater full of people watching a literal movie uh-huh. and someone's just munching on popcorn that is everyone could hear it everyone that's crazy it. yeah it was so, feel good, so good for
0: doing that <laughs>
1: so good it was so great we're just sitting in there and they're like and then all of a sudden, somebody goes, eh, "It's like what? Di-? Oh, <laughs> oh! Don't do that again. Get your seat right, bro. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, such an immersive experience,
0: dude. Um, I, you know, there was a there's a moment where, um, there was a moment where you th- like, shoot, what was it? Yeah, when the sun steps on the bear trap. Oh, yeah. I'm like. Oh my God. I'm like, how do you, how do you not scream? You literally just stepped on a thing that is like crushing your foot. How do you not scream? And like, I know I get like, uh, Emma Blunt's character, um, trying to like calm him down, but like, if that was me, I wouldn't be able to stop. Mm. I'm like, kill me right here. This is too much pain. Kill me right here.
1: I, I feel him in that scene. I do. But this is part of this is one of those criticisms that I have of this movie. At this point, you're more than a year into dealing with these uh, creatures. You cannot scream like that. (laughs) I understand that you're in massive amounts of pain, more pain than you've ever felt in your entire life. However, you've been dealing with these creatures for a year. These creatures who have killed your father, they've killed your friends, they've killed everyone you know. I understand that you are in tremendous amounts of pain. You cannot scream like that. Not when you have your mom and your sister also there, you've lost your brother to these creatures. You can't scream like that. I'm sorry, you can't scream like that. That, that was ridiculous. That was, a, that was one of the criticisms I have of this movie, is bury his face in the grass, whatever you have to do, but you cannot scream out loud like that. That's ridiculous.
2: <laughs> right. So- and to be honest with you, that's that's one of the big problems I have with the first movie is Phoenix. You mentioned that pregnancy um, scene. Mm-hmm. That was easily my biggest problem with the first movie is you cannot give birth by yourself and be silent. I'm sorry, that's just that no no one does that. That is not possible. That is not possible. I I am not ever going to give birth in my life. So I know that I'm not the most qualified person to speak on that, but I feel pretty confident in saying you cannot deliver a baby by yourself and make zero noise. I'm no, no. I mean, but
1: the one thing I will say about that film that, that I, in that scene that I think makes it work is, and why I, I have a criticism of this scene in the, in the second one is the level of intensity that, you know, goes into giving birth and you having to, to stay silent is so the the, the, the the inclination to want to scream, to want to like make noise is so visceral. And then having to ignore all of those impulses to do it silently, I think is where that tension comes from and why it's such an engaging scene an intense scene. I get what you're saying it's probably not the most realistic, but I think just the way it's done is, is, is a really good scene. And I think there's more truth in that scene than there is in the one in the second.
2: Well, Mm. Go ahead, Brandon.
0: One thing I'd like to say is like, there are a lot of moments where you have to audibly give out sound, such as like giving birth and stepping on a bear trap. There are so many moments in this movie that were like people i I, something i noticed like people set up traps to make you make noise Mm -hmm. just like such as the bear trap the falling glass bottles it's just insane how like into detail these um john krasinski went to make sure like okay hey how can we cut how can we throw this threat out there with people who have been on the road for what 474 days now to in order to stay quiet, how what kind of obstacles can we throw at them, such as a bear trap or falling glass bottles? I I think that stuff worked in in order to throw obstacles at them. And you know what I mean?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, That's and that's one of the things I think I love about this film is that it expands this world, right? Because when we meet this family, we're only like, what, I think, a hundred and some odd days in into this story. Now we're like 300 more days into this story. And of course, there's like, there's these nuances. There's these different things that these tactics that you have to use to, to protect yourself, to, you know what I'm saying, keep yourself guarded so that you don't, you don't run a risk of, of, of drawing these characters at you. And I just think they do a fabulous job of expanding this world, a fabulous job.
2: Well, and let's talk about the the tension of I don't even know what the correct term is for um, the hatch that they hide inside of that. Mm-hmm. Once you close it, you have a certain amount of time before your oxygen runs out. Mm-hmm. What is what are we even calling that a furnace? Uh, a fur- oh, that is a furnace? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, my apologies for lack of knowledge. Um, <laughs> so, hiding in that furnace, first of all, talk about how brilliant that is that yeah. you can go in there and talk, and because it's virtually soundproof mm-hmm. um, and brilliant. Such a small thing that adds such volume to the film. And the hatch that you can close the hatch. The, the, what I love, too, is that and, and you when I say this, you might think, well, obviously, but still like what I love is how smart these characters have become. Of course, right. sometimes they do some silly things. Right. Of course, they, it's a horror movie. So, of course, they do some things that were, were sometimes like you idiot. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they're smart and they've learned how to live in this world. And one of those things is just something as small as putting a towel over the hatch to make sure it doesn't close all the way and lock you in. Mm -hmm. We saw the ramifications of that when the son locks him and his little brother, sister, the baby locks, locks, uh, his younger sibling in the furnace with him. uh, and they are fighting for oxygen. Mm -hmm. I just think that's so brilliant to me. That was one of the most tense scenes in the movie. And they kept cutting away from it too, to make it linger. Um, I just, the furnace was just such a simple little addition that made huge impact. I, yeah,
1: 100% agree. Uh, and and I think that speaks to the genius of of Krasinski as a as a filmmaker, like that's not something that you would naturally think of, but like the idea that these people are gonna need soundproof places to hide, to, you know what I'm saying? to. To get away, you know, if you're if you're saying that people exist in this world still, they're gonna need creative ideas to 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 hide and and sneak about so that they don't make noise. And something as as simple as having a furnace with a towel around it so you don't get trapped in, it is it, brilliant, you know what I'm saying? It's a brilliant mechanism. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And there were so many of those, even in the first film, you know, the sand uh path that they have to walk on so that doesn't make noise you know just living in an underground bunker there's just so many smart decisions being made by the survivors in this story so and again like expanding this world i think keeping with that theme of knowing exactly what works and how to protect yourself such a genius idea
0: Mm so then i want to touch on is um the, the daughter i can't think of her name but the daughter's hearing aid weapon mm-hmm. it's it works so well as a defensive against these creatures and i can i can see this being like an i am legend type of thing where you find the basically the cure for how to stop this thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like you're able to basically i i have a feeling they're going to try and they're going to make enough sequels to where they can try and broadcast it, cast it out to like worldwide and then everyone will be able to kill these monsters or they're going to have to go back to the island which we have to talk about that island here in a second mm. um you have to go back to the island and grab the rest of your family go back to that island but like something i noticed is like they they set it up perfectly for one of those monsters to make it to the other side of the shore because you're like hey um we just fought this these people these like ravagers or whatever because that's what they seem like they seem like ravagers and um they literally got killed on that little police boat and that police boat made it to the other side of the shore and as soon as you and as soon as you realize that you're like oh crap Mm -hmm. they are screwed and yeah, right. like even when he runs back, he's like, "Get inside, get inside!" And everyone's like, "What do you say?" <laughs>
2: right. And and the way that that happened was, remember, they can't swim. So, but mm-hmm. the creature was on the boat, and you know, when you're in water, you just slowly move, like as it, like you're in a car and you're not on the gas pedal, but you're in drive, you're mm-hmm. slowly moving. Um, it's the same thing. So once. Um, Emmett and the daughter were on the boat. It takes them a whole night to get to the Island. Cause it's day when they get to the Island. So now we're at one whole night of them just cruising along and the boat with the creatures following and it's morning. So now we're at one night of travel. It, it, it takes them a whole day to find the group of people that are civilized on the Island. Cause it's night and they're having a bonfire So now that boat with the creature has been traveling for a whole night and a whole day now, then they're welcomed in by the group of people and they wake up the next morning. So now it's been two whole nights and a whole day. It's been a whole like 36 hours for this boat to, to travel. And depending on how far that Island is, I mean, that's totally plausible, even how slow it was moving. So I saw some criticisms for like the boat got there way too quickly. No. I mean, if you put that together, it was close to close to 40 hours that Mm -hmm. that boat just skimmed along. So no, that's totally plausible.
1: Yeah. That's one thing that I will say is the strength of this movie is even though you're talking about, Creatures from you know outer space or whatever, uh, who feed on sound. The believability comes from what people did in these situations, right? Uh when they get to the island and they're talking to uh Hansu's character, um, and he tells them, like, once they figured out that they couldn't swim, and you know, what I'm saying they so they put them on boats and they were trying to send them to a separate island. But people started pushing and shoving and screaming, and you know what I'm saying. And that drew people to them. And so they had 12 votes, but only two made it off. I'm like, that's pure human nature. You know that in this situation, there's going to be panic. There's going to be people, there's going to be people who think they deserve it more than anybody else and they're gonna cause a ruckus and ruin it for everybody else. It's like again, the 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 brilliance of this screenplay is that the decisions being made are realistic decisions uh Mm -hmm. whether it's how long it takes a boat to get to another island or it's what people did in these situations to survive it's all very very smart which is why the dumb decisions that happen in this movie irritate me to no end but we'll get to that in a second
0: (laughs) there there are a lot of moments where like I realized that like they try not to emit sound, like such as like when they're sneaking on the train and everything, mm-hmm. um, trying to steal that first aid kit and then the body comes you you can you can would you have screamed if you just saw randomly saw a body just drop in front of you? I well yeah. <laughs> even if you're even if you are conditioned for something like this, I feel like I feel like there there are those moments you're like you you forget and you're like, oh crap, I screamed.
1: I also want to point out how well that scene was done because with Melissa Cent, Oh God, I messed her name up. Millicent being, being a, a deaf character, she makes noise without knowing she makes it. So like mm-hmm. that scene is instantly terrifying because she could have screamed and you know, she fell. That's noise that she actually can't hear. So when she sees the creature, it's like, such a, a, a shock to the audience because we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. She doesn't know she made noise, but she 100% made noise. So it's it's a really, just really well done, well done moment. Mm-hmm. I think.
2: I mean, I just, I really just can't get over how tense and, and earned this movie was. And I love the ending, too. Mm-hmm. They're definitely setting up for a trilogy, maybe more. Um, but I loved the ending and the parallels too of showing both kids really come into their own and take on these creatures and the parallels are insane. They cut back and forth. Both of them are virtually uh, doing the same thing. It was just wonderful. I-, I loved the editing in that. I loved the storytelling of that, and it was such an earned ending as well i think in the third one you know they're going to go back and they're going to attempt to get the rest of the family and get back to the island probably be some trouble on the way i predict that emmett's probably going to bite it but um we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that but i'm so glad krasinski decided to indefinitely delay this so we could see this in the theater this would not be the same at home no. um, and and i just I'm over the moon about this movie. I really am. I am not a huge horror fan in general. I, I do not do well with scary movies. I scare easily. That's okay for me to say. Um, but I really enjoyed this. I really did. It was so tense. This is one of the best. This, this is, other than Get Out, this is the best story I have seen for a horror movie ever. Now, keep in mind, I have not seen a whole heck of a lot of horror movies. I just haven't. That's not my go-to genre. I haven't seen Hereditary. I haven't seen a bunch of other movies. <laughs> Bearing in mind, Get Out's the best horror movie I've ever seen. This mm-hmm. is second. It just is. Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, God, I wanted to expound on the point that you just made. Um. Jesus. Uh. What we're Was it talking. About the third oh, movie. I just wanna. I wanna put on a tinfoil hat real quick because this is a story that covers, you know, just between the two films, covers about four hundred and seventy-six days. This is the true genius of John Krasinski. He's created a film that he could revisit five, six, over and seven, over, again times. Over. Right. Because even if you don't take this family story, imagine how many other stories there are. In the span of
2: those 476, yeah, you, you days. could make a show. You can make a Netflix right. show, an HBO Max show. Yeah,
1: there's so, there's so much potential in that. Just you know what I'm saying? Diving into this
2: could be, you know. this could be a whole franchise. Right, right. Like I, I could see this spin off. Dead. So not,
1: yeah, like not even American stories. If you could you could tell this story about this family
0: in japan or you know what i'm saying they, yeah they mentioned that those things dropped down in china you it could is. have stuff that happened in china
2: there's like, you you do like- it a, a hundred years from now yeah there could yeah. legitimately be not just a trilogy not just six seven movies there could be a whole oh. franchise with 10 movies and four shows and a, a spinoff with an alternate universe, like there could be a whole thing about it. Yes. And I would totally welcome that. I,
1: I will say like, exactly. I would be 100% in because I'm like, there's just so many interesting stories to tell about this. And I mean, with if you can continue that that level of sound design, which I think is just so key in these stories, it's just rich, man. It's such if, a rich environment.
2: If that were to happen, if there were to be, let's say, and we're, we're getting... Well. Big time here. We're getting big time as far as this whole franchise of of movies and shows and telling different stories in the same world. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see John Krasinski involved in all the projects, but I would not like to see him write and direct all of mm-hmm. them. It's you know, he's a brilliant writer and a brilliant mind for this. But I don't want him to turn into James Cameron and have this dominate his life.
1: Right, right, You know, I want
2: to see him do other things. What they should do is maybe have him write and direct this third one. Uh, If that's a smashing hit, uh, maybe he keeps going until four or five movies. But I'd like to see him be a producer, be the, you know, lead producer oversee everything while he's also able to work on his own separate projects that are not involved with a quiet place. Um, you know, he has to be involved in some capacity. Absolutely. But I don't want him to just spend the next 20 years of his life making quiet place stuff, because it's, 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 he it's, is too. Hmm. He, he, he is brilliant. Absolutely. But because he's so brilliant, Let's let him make other things as well and not just, oh, yeah, John Krasinski's known for The Office and Quiet Place. Yeah, he could have done a lot more, but that's all he did.
1: (laughs) Well, what I will say is what's very interesting is, and I saw this uh, interview, was that he really expected this to be the only, uh, the first one to be the only film. He really went into it with a single film mindset. And what I think is just brilliant is like, You open the floodgates when you did a sequel, like like, like the floodgates are wide open. There's just so many interesting, vital, I think, important stories you could tell in just this universe. So like, yeah, I'm 100 percent agree with Nathan. He doesn't have to be involved in every project, but there's some good stuff here, man.
2: Right. No, I, I I just want him to oversee everything. I mean, look at James Cameron. James Cameron has made one movie since Titanic. (laughs) And it's been Avatar. Titanic came out in 1997. He's dedicated something like 31, 32, 34, something like that. Years of his life making Avatar movies. And regardless, 10 Avatar sequels, regardless of how you feel about Avatar, you love it, you hate it, regardless of how you feel. You're taking one of the most iconic directors of all time, James Cameron, Titanic, Terminator, and Tying him down to one thing. I don't want anyone to do that. I don't want anyone to do that. So, yes, uh, sign me up for a whole Quiet Place universe. Have John Krasinski oversee it, but not be tied down to it. Right. See, the way I see it, I, I,
0: I think this would work in, like, the style of, like, Mandalorian, how, how Mandalorian does it. Have a different director each episode, just like like when we had, like, you know how John Favreau and Dave Filoni are overseeing the whole project. Mm. But you have different directors for each episode so they can do their own thing with it and when the way they want to, just like when Robert Rodriguez did, um, that Boba Fett returning episode, he that was all his, he completely wrote that episode, he directed that entire episode, wrote it, and everything.
2: Well, and let but at, the, at the same time, you need to have I, I'm fine with them, I, I would say, not only just each episode, but give other directors shot at movies too as long as krasinski's mm-hmm. still there overseeing the script overseeing production you know as long as there's a vision in mind and and they're not just plucking directors out of nowhere and letting them do their own thing and they still need a sense of continuity i'm all for it
1: yeah 100 we got off on the tangent there but uh <laughs> well i think it's i think
2: it's totally warranted yeah with how these two movies have gone i think it's ridiculously warranted
1: yeah uh So I do wanna talk uh, about a few things in this movie that I will say I have issues with. Um, The one thing that I really enjoyed in the first Quiet Place, especially for a horror movie, is that one one of the signature tropes of horror movies is that somebody has to make a stupid decision, like an incredibly unrealistic, no unnecessary stupid decision. And the first one i felt didn't do those like if, if if somebody made a dumb decision it was out of necessity or it was out of exhaustion right cool in this one however people make the dumbest decisions like the dumbest decisions we already talked about the the bear the bear trap and him screaming i think it's just a ridiculous thing like You've been at this too long. You know you. Oh, let's have you uncoincidentally step on a bear trap.
2: trap If (laughs) if I've
1: been if I've been trying to avoid creatures who attack at the moment they hear a sound for four hundred days, yeah. Even if I step on a bear trap, I'm going to try to stay quiet. It's just too much. I, I doubt right that. My oh it's my! I, I doubt right that. Okay, but we can, but we can talk got, about some other ones. I got, one. I got two others that I, I believe are even dumber than that. Which is the first one is, uh, still with that character, Noah Jupe's character. Uh, his mom leaves to get supplies, sure, and he's down there, you know, saying protecting his baby brother. Why do you leave? What exactly? You you your your leg is injured. You can't run, right? If you make any noise, you draw attention to you. Why are you leaving the safety and and, and security of this underground bunker to do what? To look around and find uh, Emmett's wife's dead body, so you can bump into something and scream? It's just—is that who that
0: was? Yeah, it was his son, or or whoever whoever it was. It's so
1: bonkersly stupid like it's such a bad it's such a bad decision
2: i can get behind that one like it's just
1: like it served no purpose my other complaint the other stupid decision unfortunately comes from jaimon hansu's character you know you 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 know these creatures these creatures are impossibly fast so yeah you drove off you got away from them now you're in a garage with the door still partially open (laughs) And you're going to stand to my in kid. front of it and you're sitting up there like, Oh, I think I outran it. You know how fast these things are. You didn't kill it. So of course he's after you. And you're going to stand in front of an open garage door. Like, what are you thinking? Oh, I have to get back to my family. He's out there. What are you like? The decisions just made no sense. So those are the three that I think really are just so bonkersly stupid that I'm like, I get it. Cause it's a horror movie, but the first one excelled in not doing that, and then this one has three of them. I'm just like that. That is ridiculous. So those are that's my main complaint of, on this movie.
2: But see, I'm going to disagree because the the common trope in horror movies in general are just characters make ridiculously dumb decisions. And sure, we can say that uh, the son going up and and discovering a body while he's the only real you know, person that can do anything since he's with a baby, um, was dumb. I I can get behind that one, but the other ones, I don't, I can't get behind those. Like, like it's a man who wants to protect his family. He's been isolated from these creatures for how long is it? Has it been 400 days? He's been isolated from these creatures. He's living a normal life. He's not as mentally sharp on what to do in this situation. Okay um Mm -hmm. and you know when panic arrives and for someone who isn't as mentally sharp in that situation because he hasn't been exposed to it in so long he probably wasn't thinking clearly um and then come on we can't we cannot blame stepping on a bear trap and screaming at the top of your lungs we can't we
1: can't Uh, i'm sorry that's ridiculous (laughs) that's ridiculous at that at at that point in time, it's it's too it like your your point about John and Hansu, I get right. They've they've been isolated for a while. I get that, but you have been living this life for over a over almost two years. That's ridiculous.
2: Phoenix, it's it's, it's too it, much in the front it, of your mind. Like pierced his bone. I don't care. Oh my god,
0: I'm Phoenix! Sorry. I'm that coming is over good. to set up bear traps in your house. <laughs>
1: But again, is- again, like I'm in a different situation, right? Like there aren't there aren't sound creatures out here ready to snap my bones at a single chirp that I make. Right. I'm gonna and I, get, pretend that there I are. get that you're in pain. I get that you want to scream. Obviously, it's the worst pain you've ever been in. I get it. I get it. But at some point in the middle of that scream, you should have been like, I shouldn't be screaming. I
2: think <laughs> or this I is should be unrealistic trying to, to
1: fight it. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If she can give birth in a tub without screaming, you can take a bear trap we've, to the leg without screaming.
2: That's unrealistic.
1: <laughs> that's ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> that's my only complaint. That's the only one I think is just completely unfair.
2: We've already determined the bathtub seat is unrealistic. <laughs>
1: I think the bathtub scene is 100% realistic. And like, and I think if you accept that that one's realistic, then the other one is, if you accept that the bathtub scene is unrealistic, then this one should be unrealistic. That's ridiculous.
2: (laughs) But those are my only complaints.
1: Otherwise this is a 100% brilliant film.
2: All right, well let's wrap this up here guys. Um, Phoenix, what's your final rating? My final rating on a
1: quiet place part two, uh, Excellent film. Excellent film that I cannot wait to revisit again in theaters, because I think this movie has to be seen in theaters. I'm going with a solid four stars. I think it is an exquisite movie with a lot of great uh, elements to it. That, yeah, obviously I am desperate for a part three. I'm desperate for a quiet place universe. I think both can exist. So I'm excited for the future of the franchise.
0: Yeah. Me too. I, I'm really excited for where this is going to eventually lead up to. Because like, before we go into our, my ratings, I want to mention like how they ended the film. They ended it on sort of a cliffhanger. They where they both killed their monster and it just ends. I'm like, I did not expect it to end right there. I I, I just remember like the lights coming up show and showing directed by John Krasinski. I'm like, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's where we're ending. I'm like, all
2: righty. It was such I can, a powerhouse. I ending. How- yeah, exactly. It was such a powerhouse. Oh, ending, and I loved it. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Um, I, I gave it a five out of five only because like, I really enjoyed the first one and like, I know sequels sometimes to films aren't the best. This one knocked it out of the park. I personally think so. I really enjoyed this sequel and I think it might've actually been better than the first. That's just my opinion though, but I gave it a five out of five John Krasinski, I doubt you're listening to this, but if you ever do keep up the great work, man, you did a great job.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go with a four and a half out of five. I just superbly enjoyed this. I it's rare for me to give a four and a half. It it just really is. I am a tough critic, but I really loved this. Um, I loved every second of it. I'm not a huge horror fan and I really was not a huge fan of the first one. I thought it was good. Not great. Um, but this just blew me away. This had everything I wanted and it was just phenomenal. So four and a half out of five for me.
1: All right. Solid all around. Uh, So that's how we feel on two of the biggest releases so far of 2021. Cruella and A Quiet Place Part 2. Again, we encourage you guys to seek out both of these films. They're tremendous in theaters if you can, if it's safe for you. Um, If not, you know, then check them out on VLD or uh, Disney Plus Premier Access for Cruella. Uh, So we're going to move on to... Film code, I believe it is that time. You are now in film code. Stop. For film code. So it was Nick's code word this week. Uh, Nick is unfortunately not here with us, but he did deliver his code word to us and his code word was magic. Uh, the movie takes place between 2015 and 2020. Uh, the lead actress who we uh, specifically wanted to point out is the first name listed, I'm assuming on Letterboxd, uh, was a breakthrough actress in the past few years. And he, the producer played a role in an iconic franchise. I wish Nick was here to answer a question for me because played a role is very vague. I'm wondering if he means played a role in the making of a franchise, like a writer or a director, or if he means actually an actor who played a role in a franchise. Uh, That would be a very key distinction, but uh, (laughs) he is not here. So unfortunately I will not be able to get that question answered. Uh, Currently, Brandon is our leader (laughs) for season two. So he will get to go last. I obviously will get to go first since Nathan is the champion. Uh, So my pick is going to be, let me see. I just had it Uh, one second. (laughs) Uh, This, uh, this had me up up a wall and I was torn between about four different films, but I settled on settled on a movie from 2015 your lead is Anya Taylor-Joy, who has definitely broken out in recent years. Uh, your producer on this, I'm going with Chris Columbus, who was also an actor in the Harry Potter franchise, which I would think is definitely considered an iconic franchise. And that movie is The Witch, directed by Robert Eggers, 2015, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, so that is My guess for the code word I'm assuming magic refers to black magic uh, as this looks like a horror film, but I've not seen the bitch yet. So that is my blind guess for Nick's code word.
2: All right. That's that's exactly the one I was going to go with as well. Um, Anya Taylor joy is probably the definition of an up and coming actress, someone who has been very popular as of late, um, uh, Nick used the term breakthrough. I definitely would term her as that as she was in The Queen's Gambit and New Mutants, going to be in Last Night in Soho, Emma. I mean, she's just been all over the place as of late. Uh, producers, like you mentioned, not only was Christopher Columbus an actor, he was the director of the first two Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that definitely would be one. I looked around for this. This was the strongest one I could come up with, so I am going with the witch or the vitch or whatever we're, we're supposed <laughs> to pronounce that
1: yeah all right brandon you um the
0: lead what are you going with all right uh, originally yesterday when i was looking i originally thought i'm like huh what if it's now you see me too because <laughs> everything everything fit the criteria except for lead actress because brian tyler who's a producer is a producer but he's also a composer for a lot of the mcu films i think he does the um it's either guardians of the galaxy or iron man 3 i can't remember but he does a lot of producing and composing but um when i looked at it a little bit later last night i'm like it can't be this because the lead actress doesn't match up i'm gonna have to go with the v vich as well I, that's why i pronounce it as because it <laughs> but um robert eggers when i watched this movie um I saw a lighthouse before this one. Um, I completely slipped my mind. That is that this consists of like witchcraft and stuff. So I'm going to have to go also with the V All right.
2: All right. Well, we, we all have the same thing, which is interesting. Uh, I do have a Snapchat here from Nick, which has not been opened. And since we all guess the same thing, it wouldn't really matter if I opened it now or not, but <laughs> I did not, as we can see here, I did not open this. Let me see. I did not open this Snapchat from Nick, if you guys can confirm. Yep. All right, Mm -hmm. so let's see what this is, if we are right or wrong. Ah, we are correct. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. All righty, sweet. So (laughs) Phoenix and I are on the board. Brandon (laughs) is in the lead, uh, getting the first two of the season correct. Congratulations.
1: That's awesome. Considering that you only got two – in total, last season already kicking off with two <laughs> already to kick off the second kicking season. off with a bang. Way to go! So we are all officially on the board, which is a, an improvement over last year, as it took us about six episodes to get a win <laughs> last year. But we officially are on the board. Two years, there are two episodes in. So congratulations to us! It's going to be an interesting season, Nathan. We're coming for that title, man. <laughs> all
2: right. Well. Is it me or Brandon headed up next week? It is you, Nathan. It is All your. right. Well, I have mine ready to go. Yes, let's do it. Word, uh, my code word is empty. Clue number one. It was the directorial debut for a well-known director. Mm. Clue number two, the lead of this movie has been nominated for a role in a movie that has won best picture. Mm. And your third clue is the years 2000 to 2015. Wait, what 15 year period? Guys, once you do some digging, this is not that hard. You got to look into it.
1: So you said empty 2000 to 2015. Yep. Uh, what was it about the director?
2: directorial debut and the director is well known. So if you, and that's not up for debate, not like in my world, he's well known, but in your world, he's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess you just, I gave you one there. It is a, it is a, he director Okay. and it is a well-known one. That's not up for debate. And the lead of that movie that I'm referring to has been nominated for a role in the movie that won best picture. Hmm. so this said movie won best picture the lead one said movie won best picture someone got nominated for their role that person that got nominated is the lead of the movie i'm talking about okay i think you should condense down the years no once you look into it it's not <laughs> that it's not that difficult
1: all right empty 2000 to 2015 directorial debut of a well-known director. The lead has been nominated for a role in a movie that won Best Picture. Correct? Sounds good. Woo-hoo. All right. I'm looking forward to this. Let's see if we can keep the streak going. Nathan's cold words are. Impeccably hard. What? <laughs> yeah. That's a so- BS. it'll be an interesting challenge for us all. All right. So like Nathan said, we will be checking out, we will be reviewing In the Heights next week. Uh, Super excited for that. And uh, we're going to head up out of here, guys. So Brandon, let everybody know where they can find you.
0: You guys can find me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C-Ears on Twitter and Letterboxd. It's fantastic Years. Check me out over there. I'm continuing to log my films. I've started watching some of the old Disney animated films. Um, just kind of in that kind of mood because I have a Disney trip coming up in about 67 days or so. So just getting all excited and everything. So just-
1: All right, and my name is Phoenix Cloudin. You guys can find me on Twitter at reviews one That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under P.A. Cloudin. And please, if you get the chance, follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at film code Pod. And Nathan, let everybody know where they can find you, sir.
2: Yep. You guys can find me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig. Uh, please let me know your follow the show. We'd love to interact with you. Maybe we could have you on the show. That would be a really fun time. So again, please follow the show over on Twitter at film code Pod, uh, over on Instagram and TikTok as well. Same at, at film code Pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week for In the Heights. Um, Yeah, hope you enjoyed. Let us know your thoughts on the movies we reviewed today. And thank you guys so much for listening.
1: And we're out of here, guys. Peace.